Hello everybody, this is Paige with the Inventors of Tomorrow, and today I'm speaking with my good friend Aaron Little. Um, Aaron, hi, welcome. Hello, thank I, you for having me here today. I'm so grateful to have you here. I would love for you to tell everybody just a little bit about yourself and who you are. That is always such a complicated question, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, it's a conversation I had earlier today with a friend, but my name is Aaron Little. I live in Lexington, Kentucky. I, um, what do I do? Can we get into what I do too? That's always a big part of who I am. I mean, I think that our daily habits create our self-identity. Therefore, what you I do is true. who you are. So I do lots of things. And uh, while some of them seem um, polar opposites of the other, I think they all fit together to make up who Aaron is. But in no particular order, I am a coach. I've been a coach my whole life. I started doing martial arts as a little kid and rather quickly got to a point where I was helping teach classes. So I've been coaching people in some form or another my whole life. So I'm a coach, uh, both martial arts, combatives. I do firearms training around the country. I... I guess we'll say I teach and perform acrobatics. We can leave that there for a little bit. Um, I work, I do close protection work, which is, uh, we'll get into more of that, I'm sure, as this podcast goes on, because it's really shaped a lot of what's going on in my life today in the direction I'm moving. But uh, for the most part, that's, I see clients, I see clients in person and online for various performance mindset related issues. And I bet that's something we'll dig into deeper as we move through the podcast. Absolutely. That's me. That's me in a nutshell. I have two cats. They will probably make an appearance here in, in the video. And I'm sure we'll hear one of them crying in the audio. What was the defining moment where you decided to call yourself a coach? How did that come to be? Oh, wow. So uh, honestly, I look at coaching, people get really bent out of shape sometimes on the word coach. And I think that's because the word life coach has this negative connotation to it for some reason. But I look at coaching originally from a sporting perspective, mm. where coaches always meant a specific thing. And at 13 years old, I was, um, I started doing a martial arts class when my teacher started teaching. So with the normal fallout rate in classes like that, before I turned 14, I was the senior student in the class and was helping teach classes. I have known nothing else. Mm -hmm. So being able to define a point where I said, I'm a coach uh, is pretty tough. Many, many, many years later, possibly a couple of lifetimes later, I had bought a gym and we were doing some remodeling and uh, my wife at the time mentioned we should set this up as a private office for you. And I said, I, I, we could use this space for something more than that. I don't really need a private office. And she said, the number of students that come to you with problems that don't relate to class, you really need to have a private office. So I guess that's the moment where I, got, I had been doing that work for a long time, but that's the moment when I realized, oh, there's a lot more to this than just the words I'm using. And so from that point on, I started actually scheduling, people could put it on my schedule that they wanted to come in and, and have coaching sessions. Mm -hmm. And it was sometime after that, before I even knew that life coach, I really, I don't like that expression either, but that other types of coaching even had a following. It's just what I have always done. 
I kind of want to dig into why the term life coach has such a negative connotation. I've heard probably three people in the last week be like, oh, I don't really like that. And I've had my own personal yucky vibes about it. And I still, I call myself a life coach at times. And so like, what are there better, what is so negative about it? And are there better terms that we can use as two people who do coach people, do mentor people? Uh, sure. Um, I, I think, so there's two, there's two pieces there to unwrap. There is my personal issues with the expression life coach. And then what I think other people see in it as negative. And on a, the, the macro level, it is that who the heck are you to tell me how to live my life? Right. right? And I guess to be honest on the micro level as well, I mean, I, I don't want to, that's not my mission. My mission is not to tell you how to live your life. My mission is to help you move forwards. And I, obviously we'll get into that later on, but my mission is to help you become more. Uh, that doesn't really mean I don't want to be in charge of your life. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a travel agent. I think we've talked about this in the, in the past. I'm a travel agent. People come to me and they say, hey, I want to get here. Can you help me figure out a way to get there? And I, I will create a plan. And if they if they want, I'll even go there with them. I had a client earlier this week where we decided that the term realtor made, them, made a lot of sense. Uh, there you go. <laughs> There you go. And in, in a very similar vein, but I'm not about shaping their life. Mm-hmm. Just like I don't do therapy. Um, but you are shaping lives. I am shaping lives, but um, I'm repairing cracks in foundations. Right. I'm, I'm doing those things. I'm going back to the realtor thing, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not about, I will hold your hand through certain steps, but I'm not going to be that person that you call, you can call me at three in the morning once or twice, but if you call me at three in the morning every night, something's wrong and you need help beyond the scope of what I'm going to provide. Boundaries are always good in Absolutely. all relationships. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and again, because I, I look at coaching from a the, the sport perspective, mm-hmm. um, it's not my, I will influence your life, of course, but I'm not here to tell you how to live it. Kind of feel like that I, should, I feel like that's what a life coach sounds like. I agree. I kind of feel like that should be the motto of every every single person that is here to serve another human is like, yes. I'm here to, to help you grow. I'm here to help you evolve and to move forward. I am not here to tell you exactly what to do with your life. I'm here to show you that you can be the leader of your own life. Yeah, to use my new, my new phrase, I I truly want to help you to become more. It's not really my place to tell you what that more is. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, I should write that down or I'll just go back and listen to the podcast and take notes. <laughs> um, so a little bit on that note, how did performance mindset come to be? And I know you have a couple little <laughs> business ideas and business language. So tell I, I, me I, if I'm even so asking the right question. It is, it is my way. And, and I like when people ask because it is my way of talking about my approach that I it, performance mindset coaching is what I have chosen instead of life coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is this, if we think back and I don't, I don't know if you played sports in school or if you have any experience with a coach, but for most kids growing up, the, the coach in their life 
is they, they will always tell you about the lessons they learned from that coach outside of off the mat, outside off the court, outside of the arena. And that's my approach to all the things that people bring to me. It is a performance standpoint. How do we perform better? I had a conversation with my business partner the other day about this very thing. And she was thinking that people might not understand that performance mindset has merit outside of athletics. I'm like everything we do. If you, if you work in corporate America, you have an annual performance review, mm-hmm. you know, performance is far bigger than just sports. And I want to help people perform better in whatever Avenue it is they're trying to get better at. So performance mindset, having that focus that we're about moving forwards and doing better than we are today. Again, I don't do therapy. I don't deal with issues of the past. We just move forwards and get better. How about when people are having a hard time performing because of something that has happened in the past? How do you address that? Well, would you stop? (laughs) Sorry, my my, my cat has an issue when she can hear people talking that she can't see. And I've tried to get her in my lap and that doesn't help either. Um, So if people are hung up, we just have to... I'm a big fan of Socratic questioning and the why question and what's moving you in that direction. But if someone is hung up on past things, I will start with glancing in our rearview mirror is important when we're driving. But if we're constantly staring in a rearview mirror, we're going to run off the road. So if past events is getting in the way of moving forwards, we need to first work on more well-defined goals establishing a well-defined why it is that we want to move forwards and make those things more important than whatever it was that happened in the past. That's still about moving forwards and not revisiting past things. There are people who specialize in revisiting past traumas. That's not me. Yeah. As a female and an emotional one at that, and maybe I'm cornering myself somehow I feel like so much of my present and my future has to do with ideas and belief systems and patterns that have been brought onto my life from from birth that I've just naturally you know come into based on how I was raised my environment etc and I feel like I take them into such massive consideration as I move forwards. And so yep. I'm really curious about your strategies to get someone to only glance behind, mainly because I could use it for myself. <laughs> right. You know, if I am going to, I can walk into my kitchen and think about what I'm going to fix for dinner. And I can look at all of the ingredients that I've bought in the past. And regardless of why I bought those ingredients, I can put them together in many different forms and fashions to create something entirely new. So who I am is based on all of those life experiences that led me to today. But what I do with those experiences is what, is what gets me to tomorrow. All right. So they matter. They, they matter immensely. But if I constantly fixate on, and typically when we think, when we talk about that, when we talk about the things of the past, we're not talking about the wins. We're not talking about the times that people applauded us or patted us on the back. We're talking about being fixated on the negative and nothing about that is going to move me forwards. Nothing about focusing on my past failures is going to make me more 
successful in the future. I can learn from those lessons, but those lessons I learned, it's what moves me forward, not sitting there dealing with them today, tomorrow, the next day, and the next mm -hmm. day. Kind of like um, the hero's journey, being the hero of the story versus... Ab absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Being Harry Potter. <laughs> be, be, be Luke Skywalker, be or, Harry Potter. Be... Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. All right. So as somebody who has, you know, definitely gone through life's challenges, just like anybody else. And, you know, you get in a rut of depression or anxiety. And I have found one of the ways for me to dig myself out of that at times is to look back at the past at what mm -hmm. I have accomplished and Absolutely. to list them out and be like, I have been, I have done this and I've done that. And, you know, I created these festivals and I've created 10 different businesses within my life. Right. When I use the word 10, I'm like amazed at myself just to say it out loud. So I think that maybe there's a way for us to use the past as um, a telltale of what we are able to do in the future, you know, cause you only, you're Absolutely. continually going up the ladder rungs. But there's a difference I think in, in living in the past and utilizing lessons from the past. Absolutely. And I think a great way to handle that, and it, it, it does surprise me that I talk about this at this point in my life, but, you know, a very incredibly simple, it doesn't have to be complex at all, gratitude journal Ugh. makes a world of difference. And honestly, like people will talk about how in-depth or detailed that needs to be. And I, I think three things, three things each night, Three things each night before you go to bed. What am I grateful for? And with an emphasis on it could be, I made a really good cup of coffee this morning. Mm -hmm. I, just, I think that that matters. It does make a difference. It makes a difference. And as you said, you like to go back and look at those successes. Mm -hmm. To go back and look through that, not only does it show you that you did have wins, even if they were small in the past, those days when you think, I have nothing to write down. Today was so bad. There is nothing that I could celebrate. When you feel that way, sit down and thumb through that journal. And you go, oh, right. I did have a great cup of coffee today, just like I did a week ago. Or I did have that phone call from a friend. Or I did get to chat with this person. Or I did. I watched a great movie. Or I, I read an awesome chapter in a book. Sometimes we get so stuck on the negative. For whatever reason, it's just part of the human condition. That's our default, to fixate on bad things. And sometimes we fixate on bad things to the point that we ignore any good. I can't. But if I can, if I can look back through those examples that I've previously given myself of good things, that reminds me, oh yeah, not quite as bad as I thought it was. I can't remember the term, but there's a neurological term that you know whatever you're looking for um, is what you see. And so I think about you know if you're looking for, let's say all of a sudden you're you want to have a Subaru in your life. So then all of a sudden, every single time you're driving, you see Subarus driving down the road. Or mm -hmm. if you have a new favorite color of yellow and all of a sudden you start seeing right. yellow everywhere. Well, if you start mm -hmm. focusing in on those positive aspects that show up in your life, then you're more likely to, to be surrounded by positive than negative. Yes. It's the reticular activating system. I knew you would know. I love the way your brain works. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> uh, I'm a fan. Well, I'll probably do a class on that soon. Um, if you noticed, I'm, I know you're a member of my private group, but I, I, I teased that with a poll the other day asking people their thoughts on the law of attraction. Very, in very simple terms, their thoughts on law of attraction. Mm -hmm. 
So that's just prep work for a, a class. I kind of have rolling around in the back of my head. I love that. Would you like to say the name of your group out loud? So if anybody's listening would like to join? Sure. I'm always very cautious about that when I do these things. I don't, you know, self-promotion at all. But um, uh, you can find all of the stuff relevant to this podcast at theartofbecomingmore.com. And right now that just redirects to our Facebook page. The Facebook page is, which is a front door to other things. And on the front, on the Facebook page, you can click on the group and that will take you to our private group. You do have to fill out a couple of questions to, to become a member, but we talk about all these things in depth. Um, we do some free classes in there. We promote our ongoing regular classes and workshops and the very soon to launch podcast, all called The Art of Becoming More. You hit me somewhere when you said, you know, I'm always cautious of self-promotion. and it's a, it's a fault. I I think lots of people have a similar problem. Mm -hmm. But what I've started to realize is that we as individuals, not just me and you, but like all individuals have so much to offer. And when we're working with people on such an intimate level, we want people to know, like, we're here to serve you. And if we don't self-promote, how does someone know that we're there? So I had a business meeting on Tuesday with my, my partner and we were working on getting several things up, one of which was wrapping up the, the Art of Becoming More Facebook page. And she said we should write uh, some very brief couple of paragraph bios for that. And it took me over an hour to knock out those two because I, I, I really dislike it a lot. And she actually made a note that that needs to be either something I do a, a nightly we'll, we'll get into this, but I do a daily Facebook live video. And um, she said this either needs to be a video topic or perhaps one of our podcast episodes about this, because in the end, I feel like and this will bear out in, in, in a podcast, I'm sure, but that part of that problem is at least a small piece of imposter syndrome. All right. That we don't, I have no problems at all promoting you. And trust me, I'm overly confident most of the time. But I, I think when it comes to, um, to that talking about myself, promoting myself, it's, it's at least imposter syndrome adjacent. I can see that. I think, I think, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I made a Facebook post yesterday. Um, when I kind of announced that you were being mm -hmm. featured today on self-limiting beliefs. And it's really something that comes up for me personally almost every single day. And like you said, I think a lot of it's imposter syndrome. I And that's one of the reasons that I delve back into my past. I'm like, oh, well, I've done this and this and this. And I have these experiences and this education. And I have to fact myself out of that imposter right. feeling. Like I have to, you know, look at the, the evidence telling me, right. no, you, you really are, you're, you're enough. <laughs> yes. And I think everybody yes. could use a little dose of that. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and it's a, a very simple lesson I do with clients on that is the power. I call it the power of, but so often we're, we're told, we're taught that, but changes the meaning of the rest of the sentence. Mm -hmm. And we see that as a negative thing. It's like, oh, you look pretty today, but. You know, oh, this food is great, but with this implication that what follows next is negative, that's true. But it doesn't necessarily mean to mean it has to change it to negative. If the first part of the sentence was already negative, but gives us the opportunity to change it to something positive. So when we catch ourselves doing that, when we catch ourselves being 
self-deprecating, saying those negative things about ourselves and our limiting beliefs and self-talk. We need, obviously we can only do it when we catch ourselves doing it, but that's where we throw the butt in there. I can't do this, but I'm not able, but I'm not worthy, but I'm not good enough, but. I like that. That's a good one. How do you feel like your life is different than any other person off the street? So uh, I have listened to all of your podcasts <laughs> and I kind of knew you were going to ask me that. And that this is where I, I, I kind of stumbled a little bit earlier on, on my issues with life coach and the term life coach. Because my answer to this is a little different. Uh, I don't. I don't think my life is different. I think I use the, the resources in my life differently. But my life isn't necessarily. Obviously, there's, exam, there's, there's situations where things are different. But I want to look at it from a world of moving forwards, of becoming more, and utilizing the resources that we have. And I love this belief that if that person was able to do that thing, then I can too. And if I start thinking about my life is just different, then that becomes a self-limiting belief. Well, sure, they could do it, but, and now we get into that negative, mm -hmm. right? I want to be, they can do it. That means there's something in there that I could learn that allows me to do it too. So I don't like to think of myself, my life is being different. I might use that life and those skills and those resources differently. That's my thought. I like that. I think that we have way more similarities than we do differences. I think Absolutely. that for the most part, we as humans have simply had different experiences. And sometimes that means, you know, some of us don't have parents or some of us have one parent or some of us have four parents, <laughs> whatever the case may be. And of course that's going to shape who we are and how we, how we move through things, but we are all very capable of changing those ingrained beliefs and patterns in order to be just like anybody else or have do the same things as some, that somebody else is capable of doing. Right. Right. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. I don't know. And then, yeah. <laughs> but, but you're right. I am, I am so opposed to the othering. I hate othering. And I just, I would rather see the similarities than focus on the differences. I agree. So, absolutely. So there, my life is, I utilize my resources differently than other people, but we're all human beings. How do you utilize your resources differently? Well, I tend to look at other people as examples of what I can achieve instead of examples of what I don't have. Mm, that's a good or one. Or what I can't do. Mm -hmm. Or that, That's probably the biggest. Um, I do not go... <sighs> this is not political. <laughs> but this whole eat the rich... I look at people who have succeeded in whatever way as an example of what's possible, not of what's wrong. Are there negative things? Of course. And we could dig deep into that in some other context, but I would just far rather look at what's possible than what's wrong. I want to look at somebody that has perceived more wealth, more rich, 
riches than I and be like, what habits are they doing? You know, yes. what, how are they living their life? What can I do differently to, to get there myself? Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and if there are things about that, that is negative because those exist, of course, how can I learn the positive lessons while mitigating the negative? Absolutely. Right? And that's, that's what I mean by, I just use resources differently. All right. And I want to help you, you use your resources differently too. Yeah. What are the dreams, the big goals that keep you in alignment with your work? Um, I just truly, so when I was young and I don't, I wish I could remember where I first, where I was, when it was in my life that I first heard this quote, but, um, Zig Ziglar is a, a motivational former. He's since passed away, but you know what I'm going to say? Cause I've said it too many times, but a, a, a motivational speaker, uh, in his time was one of the most famous motivational speakers. And he had one of his most famous quotes is you can have everything you want in life. If you just help enough other people get what they want. And from the very moment that's, that's driven me my entire life. Um, the love language that I like to give is gift of services. And it's what can I do to help you? And that's what drives me. What can I do to help make your life better? And that's not a, it's not a, what do I get by helping all these people? It is a, if I just dedicate myself to helping people, eventually it'll all work out in the end. Mm -hmm. And I have met the greatest people this way. So. Do you feel like your love language has always been gifts of service or do you feel yes. like it's changed? Okay. No, it's always, it's always the, 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 the love language I want to receive has changed and evolved over the years. Mm -hmm. But the love language that I like to give is um, both natured and nurtured into me. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my parents were very much those people. My father was probably the living example of that. And, um, so I, if it, if there is, if there is anything to it that could be genetic, I was gifted that from my parents, but I certainly from a nurtured standpoint grew up seeing that's what you do. And that's, it's always been that way. I have found that if, as my life circumstances have changed, that my love language of giving has changed too. Definitely receiving, but um, previously my love language of giving has always been acts of service. And as you know, but lots of people don't, I have fibromyalgia. And so there are mm -hmm. some days that I have massive flares and I'm in pain and it's hard for me to get off the couch. And so my love language has changed because I'm always capable of doing that, those acts of service to words of affirmation. And I know that it's been really um, challenging for the people closest to me to see that change and, you know, take that. Sure. I am blessed. So as you know, and many don't, I have Crohn's disease. So sometimes I have bad days. My, my good days far outweigh bad days. Yeah. But I've actually, and I'm blessed to have people in my life that fully understand what that means for me. And the number of times they've said, I don't need, you're sick, lay down. You don't need to do this for me. Mm -hmm. I, I can't help it. It, it. it is who I am and I don't want to help it. I enjoy helping people greatly. It's one of my favorite things to do. And even to the point I get so much out of it and we could, we could probably talk for the next couple of hours <laughs> about, about um, selfish positivity, about Ooh. 
about one about what we get out of pushing that car out of the ditch you know and i don't think that's bad no i don't think it's bad it's it's better than any drug you know if you walk away from helping someone with a little bit more spring in your step as zig ziglar would have said that's what you call a win-win and what a joyful thing what a fabulously joyful joyful thing and yes um, so play think my first business baby started in 2012 mm-hmm. it's coming up on its 10th year and if it weren't for that good feeling from other people telling me how much it changed their lives I would have probably given it up a long time ago sure there's more than that right like there's so yeah. much more than that but still that admiration that that spark of like helping these people get better, do better, move forward is really what keeps me going. That's part of the reason that for so many businesses, and it is a business, that's something you and I talked about from the very beginning, back probably 2012, 2013, (laughs) was no matter how much you want this thing to succeed, you have to see it as a business. That's right. And that's why so many businesses like that, if they're not a passion project at first, they don't make it. They don't make it. And thankfully, Playthink was a passion project. Because that passion and that little bit of endorphin rush you get from helping people mm-hmm. is what carried it through in those early days. It is, it is. And here we are, 2021, 10th right. year, and a new uh, little Playthink baby, Playthink University, right. gracing the computers of people across the nation, which is kind of awesome. Right. I'm, um, I, I suppose I will be at... Playthink 2021. I suppose I'll be teaching at Playthink 2021. I submitted the form the other day that said, yeah, I'll still teach. (laughs) This makes me happy. I'm not even sure what I'm going to be teaching yet. (laughs) I will be teaching, but. (sighs) Playthink is just one of those. um, I think it's different for me than it is a lot of participants, just like it's different for instructors. And I still see it as this life changing entity outside of me that has completely altered the course of my existence and it's um it's so much bigger and outside of me like i don't even know what it is today it just it's co-created by so many different people it's morphed and evolved and grown to be its own little thing i don't even know the word and it's um it's been pretty amazing to watch grow and to watch myself grow through the process so uh, let me hit you with this thought. So often when we run into problems and my, my, my weekly or my daily Facebook live video is kind of adopted this unintentional theme of that we all have these things we want or need to achieve and for whatever reason we're not doing it and how can we solve that. Mm-hmm. But uh, something I talk about often is that we hit these roadblocks and we spend so much of our time trying to drive through that roadblock. When in reality, we could, instead of blasting through that wall, we could dig under it, we could climb over it, we could turn left or right and go around it, but we can't do that because we're standing in one particular spot, the same spot we've been standing in forever, and we're looking in one particular direction, straight ahead, the way we've looked forever. Something like Playthink allows people to stand in a different spot and see things from a different angle that they've never seen before, and suddenly problems look different because now they're doing something 
they've never done before. They're experiencing things in a way they've never experienced them before. And that carries over to when that week's done and they go back home. The life-changing stories are what do it for me. I, uh, I had a client this morning. She's, I'm going to say mid sixties. I don't, I don't know exactly. And she started going to festivals when she was 50 and she talks about how it just changed her life that her first time in a festival, she, you know, her first thought was, Oh, I see all these people dancing. Like, why aren't people laughing at them? And she's like, first of all, how shitty of me. Second of all, (laughs) like, I'm in a space that I can do whatever I want. People aren't going to laugh at me. I'm not being judged. And there is such complete freedom in that. And I think that's, you know, that's part, part of the magic of play think. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of unique things. Yes, you do. And when I introduce myself, when I teach at play think, when I introduce myself, I don't hammer on those other things, but I do mention them. And it is things that I think in other environments, there would be people that might take issue with some of the things that I do. It's never been an issue at Playthink. Never once. Never once. Never once has someone got up and walked out of a class or or any of those things. And that's that's wonderful. I think that's a testament to both Playthink as an entity and the people that go there. How, how vulnerable are you feeling today? Do you want to share what some of those things are? Uh, I I do not lack in confidence, (laughs) but uh, sure. I spent, for example, I've spent most of the last year doing close protection for reporters covering protests and riots around the country. And, um, you know, I I think a lot of times just the fact that I I carry a gun professionally turns some people off, but um, that's never been an issue at Playthink. (laughs) You know, people don't get up and run out. Oh my gosh. He's, um, but, uh, that's, that's, that kind of centers around, like I said, I I do trainings for police and military and civilians around North America. I'm a tactical hippie adjacent person, I guess. But, um, to be honest, that this last year, that experience, um, has really driven home. It's, it's the reason this, the art of becoming more is is moving forwards um it's the reason i started doing the daily facebook live videos i needed something more positive in my life and you started doing facebook live videos and i'm like that's a great idea so i jumped on that bandwagon and i i think a lot about the lessons i learned in dealing with people over the last years some good people at their worst and i don't want to say bad people but people with ill intent sometimes acting at their best and it was just a a great experience yeah it sounds sounds thought-provoking and interesting Um, and kind of mind-blowing very i i have a deep understanding of protests and riots and police relations and the politics around all of that and it was a very interesting experience and it's not over but I've always been really impressed by your perspective and your myriad of perspectives and the way that you can shift and move and really see everything from, from a lens. And it's really, sure. it's a beautiful thing. Sure. One of the things I think that, that really, and I've, I've known this for a long time and I've utilized this for a long time, but really got driven home is being in an environment where there is two large groups that completely disagree with each other. 
and to approach that from a non-judgment standpoint. Because if you start thinking that this group is right and that group is wrong, you can no longer do your job, right? But this idea of first seeking to understand why you think the way you think Mm -hmm. and how that's affected me as a coach, right? The the number of times I've de-escalated a hostile situation by asking the person to, can you please explain to me what's going on? I don't understand. And giving them the opportunity to explain what's happening, their feelings about what's happening, what they think they're about to do because of what's happening, routinely de-escalates, calms down, smooths out a situation. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just want to be heard. None of that means you have to agree with what they say. You can completely disagree with what they say. But if you ever have any hope, and that's not the scope of my job, but if you ever have any hope of impacting thought and opinion, it's so much easier if you do that from a position of understanding why they feel the way they feel instead of just telling them they're wrong. Absolutely. People want to be seen. They want to be heard. I think that that, for me, that was one of the big things um, with starting my Facebook Live journey Mm -hmm. is... I was afraid of being seen, but I realized that by not showing my full, whole, authentic self, then I wasn't connecting with people on a full level. And I wanted to be able to connect with people completely. And in order to do that, I had to show myself to be seen, to be heard, and to be able to see others in the same way. And it is a great thing. You know, I have, um, since all of this, I've recommended daily Facebook live to so many people. I think I did episode 143 last night. That's so awesome. And I, I it's I have I am not uncomfortable on a, in front of a camera. I'm not uncomfortable behind a microphone. I don't recall a time when I ever was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Nature of starting to teach when I was small. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have grown. My my abilities in front of a camera on a microphone have grown immensely over the last 143 days. And it's fantastic. I did a video recently. Um, I, I keep getting comments from people, and I'm sure you have too. I really want to do that, but I'm uncomfortable. I don't, you know, and you and I had this conversation a long time ago about just videoing yourself every day and not doing anything with it. Well, I did a video recently where I talked about, and I amended that a little bit, combining this with our daily gratitude journal. Mm. And what if we pulled our phone out? Maybe laying in bed each night before we go to sleep. I know you're not supposed to have your phone in bed, but yeah, whatever. come on, <laughs> whatever. But uh, if we videoed ourselves talking about those three things, I like that. we can still write them down too. But just no one will ever see that. There's no purpose of ever sharing that video. Mm-hmm. But over time, you'll get more comfortable making that video, mm-hmm. and at some point, you'll realize, oh, this isn't bad. So in ten years of you know being the main organizer of a festival, people start putting you in this position of like, you have to go talk to the people. And I'm constantly for years have hidden. I'm like, I'm not, it's, that's not my role. I want to be in the behind the scenes. And there are a couple of times that I was forced to stand up and, you know, talk to people in the community circle or whatever it was. And I felt really like it was so awkward and I didn't say whatever they wanted to. And, uh, coming online, Facebook lives, and now doing this podcast and just really putting myself in a position to talk to people in a different way has, not necessarily made me more confident because I wasn't not confident before. I just didn't want to do it. And now I feel like 
it's it's enjoyable it's really teaching me sure. the the fun about it and why it is pleasurable instead of yucky what i think happens just a thought but what i think happens when we do these daily videos or weekly videos we just regularly record ourselves is we start off thinking what if i mess up what if i say the wrong thing what if i don't know the answer what if i um excuse me way too much those things don't necessarily go away they still happen we still we still say the wrong word we still stutter over a word we still burp because we're drinking energy drinks we do these things but we don't care anymore we realize at first we think it matters and as we get more experience and more comfortable doing it we realize that it doesn't matter so the lesson isn't to get to a point where you never make a mistake it's to get to a point that you make less mistakes and the ones you make don't matter People don't because I still say, um, I still stutter. I still trip over words, but I don't freeze when that happens. I make a correction if it's needed and we keep on going. Yep. That's the lesson to learn from doing daily videos. It's really the lesson to learn in every single aspect of life. Yes, that's of course. <laughs> Just keep going. It's okay. Just keep going. Day by day. Just show up. Showing up. Just show perfect up. action. I don't care how messy, how scared, the very most difficult thing that any one of us can do. And the most important thing is to show up. Yeah, to show up. Absolutely. I, uh, my, my Facebook live video this past Tuesday was called just show up. And we, my Crystal Adams, who's my business partner was here. And when she's here for a business meeting, she jumps into the video with me. And we talked about how earlier that day we didn't, neither one of us was feeling it. We didn't have the drive to get going and, and make things happen, but you know, we knew we had to, we sucked it up. We got thing one done and then thing two was a little easier. Yeah. And then thing three was even easier than that. And thing four and so on and so forth. And that snowball kept rolling down the hill, but it all starts with just showing up. And then the next day people were making Facebook posts, hashtagging, just show up. I think I'm going to make something out of that. I love that. Just show up. Just, just show up. up. If you are lacking in skills and resources, you'll figure that out. You'll be surprised at people that'll step up to help you. Sometimes it's learning to fly the airplane while it's in the air. Yeah, absolutely. I actually wouldn't recommend that as a former pilot, I but I listened to a podcast about that the other day that that has happened <laughs> very, very, very few times in recorded history. It's a common TV movie theme, but, um, and there's like for commercial airplanes, there's like no record of a non-pilot ever landing a commercial There's too airplane. many buttons and knobs. How in the hell would you figure it out? Yeah. But as a small, as a smaller aircraft is a little bit easier, but you still that, have to make sure not to stall and all that. Right. Jazz. There's only a couple of, of examples of that. We, we feel like, and I know you have a, a, a immense background in aviation, but um, I just, I would have assumed that happened a lot because we see it in movies all the time. But, funny but anyways, people, if you're listening, if you're watching, just show up. Whatever that thing is that you want to do, just do it. Just get started. Whew. So based on that, I have one last question for you, dear sir. Okay. How are you inventing tomorrow? Again, let's go back to that Zig Ziglar quote <laughs> by trying by trying to help as many people as I can realize that the only thing holding them back from becoming more is self-imposed limiting beliefs and thoughts and ideas that they are capable of far more than they are capable of. You know, I, I've said for years that as a coach, whether it be like 
combatives, martial arts, or firearms, or whatever. It is my job as a coach to recognize what I see you as being capable of, mm-hmm. and pushing, pulling, dragging you up to that point, right? Because most people will never purposely go to that edge because they don't think they can. That's where a coach comes into play. They help see things that you can't see. They look at the world through a different set of lenses than you look through, and they see things that you're not seeing, and they help guide you to that. Do you feel like everyone could benefit from having a coach in their lives? Yes. Yes, because we all, again, we all see the world through these lenses. Our own experiences, our own lives, all these things, we see the world through our own lenses. And having someone that you can just lay it out there for who can tell you what they see because they're standing somewhere else. They're looking at it in a different way and they see things that you haven't seen. Every, everyone, everyone. And what's, what's funny, I think is we talked at the beginning of this about people having a negative view of the idea of a life coach, Mm -hmm. but the number, and then we talked about those rich people. Mm -hmm. How many of those rich people have coaches? How many of those rich people have consultants, Mm -hmm. advisors, Mm -hmm. a board, right? That they go to and they say, Hey, look, here's what I want to do. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm right. Tell me what I'm missing. That's what we do as coaches. I've known for a while now that I've taken Playthink. I feel like I've taken Playthink as far as I can solo. And I have been looking into having a board and advisors and coaches for me to know what to do next. Right. And I think that that's important. I'm not gonna, you know, there's only so much that I'm going to perceive without outside influence and outside counsel. And I agree. I think I, everybody could use a coach in their lives. Everybody needs support. We, everyone listening is familiar with the expression. We don't know what we don't know. That's right. Right. We can't see what we can't see. Having someone, having that third party to step in and say, Hey, wait, you're missing this. Have you thought about this? Here, take here, here, borrow my glasses. Look at it through my lenses. That makes all the difference in the world. Everybody could use a coach. That's not a sales tactic. Go hire Paige. Everybody could you every everyone can use a everyone can use a coach. Absolutely. 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 I really appreciate you joining me here today. I feel like having these conversations with the people, the change makers of the world, the people that I'm calling the inventors of tomorrow is one of the biggest honors that I've had. And quite some time, it's the most fun I've had really, you know, in the last year, we've not been able to connect with people as much on a one-on-one basis that are outside of our home. And this really allows me to connect with people on a very close, vulnerable level and know that our discussions are affecting other people there have been many times over the years Aaron that I felt like I wish that somebody had just recorded our conversation because how I want to go back and listen to that (laughs) we've had some we've had some active conversations (laughs) um so thank you and for everybody that's listening um my name is Paige I'm here with Aaron Little and we are on the inventors of tomorrow so thank you all for listening and next week 12 noon I'll be here again with Sarah Smitha. <laughs> I had to think about that one for a minute. She is superb and amazing. She owns Candy Mountain Music as well as 
Stars and Olives Anointing Oil Company. She does beautiful, amazing things. She talks about being an ADHD creative and really having to get her fingers and everything. All right, y'all. Happy day. Bye. Thanks, Paige. Thank you, Aaron.